0: cryptocurrency, and fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Ezra Vasquez D'Amico. He's the manager at GiveSafely.io, which is part of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance. And Ezra, thanks so much for being with us on this first day from the Fundraising School podcast. Great to be here, Bill. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, you have developed so much expertise around cryptocurrency and fundraising. Uh, first of all, if you could just, for the rest of us, take a step back, what is cryptocurrency? Great question. And
1: that's actually the question that most people get stuck at uh, because they hear about, about it in the news or they hear that you know there's another nonprofit out there that's receiving crypto and they say, OK, I've got to figure this cryptocurrency stuff out. And then you start going down a rabbit hole. You start understanding less and less. You get frustrated, and you know there goes your day. And you just kind of put it aside uh, as something you'll come back to sometime. And then you don't. Uh, so the way I uh, I would explain it, and the way I think about it, is cryptocurrency, blockchain—they're just software, right? Um, right now, you know, we do Zoom calls. Um, you know, we do FaceTime with our family. We use software to do that, but we don't understand how it works. You know, we don't know how the video is compressed and sent over the airwaves or the internet, right? Um, So same thing with cryptocurrency. Um, A useful term that's come up in the last few months is people are calling it Web3, right? So web one was when the internet first came out. You know, we had our dial-up modems and over time, you know, five minutes we could download an article (laughs) and maybe half a picture, right? Um, And that was web one. We were interacting with content that was already there. Um, We're living in web two now where uh, we read the content but we can interact with other people on there, right? So we can write a post on somebody's uh, Facebook wall, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Or we can write a blog post and expect, um, you know, some sort of response. We can go on Twitter, Um, you know, we can post our articles online for for people to read. We can engage with donors online. Um, So blockchain, cryptocurrency, they belong to what what people are calling web three. Um, So web one, you can read. Web two, you can read and write and interact. And web three is that it gives you ownership, um, Mm. verifiable ownership. So what uh, cryptocurrency is, is basically a way of sending something from one person to another or holding something and having verifiable ownership of it. Um, So for example, when I send you a PDF over email, um, you know, you have possession of it, but I still have possession over it right mm-hmm. it's still in my sent mail it's still on my desktop um but uh with cryptocurrency what they did was they solved that they created a way for something to be sent and it to be verified that it's been sent from one place to another place and now that it only exists in that other place um and and everybody can see that and um, this
0: has monetary value so how do i how do i get my first crypto do i have to go on my computer and make it do i use my, my country's you know, typical in the United States dollars to buy it? How do mm-hmm. I get it?
1: Yeah, so here in the United States, uh, to uh, purchase cryptocurrency, you would go through a uh, cryptocurrency exchange. Think of it similar to a stock exchange. You know, you go to a stock exchange and you buy your shares of Apple or, you know, Robinhood or GameStop or, you know, whatever your flavor is. Um, Same thing with cryptocurrency. You go to a regulated exchange where they do kind of know your customer, anti-money laundering, you know, identity verification. They, you know, attach it to your bank account. You can transfer dollars in. And then on the exchange, you can transfer your dollars into Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin or, you know, any other coin that you're particularly interested in.
0: And then the value of the cryptocurrency, am I understanding this correctly? Mm-hmm. It can change every day exactly like or similar to the value of a stock. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's very similar. Um, the cryptocurrency market uh, is more volatile than the stock market. I think everybody's aware of that. Um, you know, uh, the, the cryptocurrency market was um let's see in uh last year the high for the cryptocurrency market was uh probably around 2.9 trillion dollars total market cap today it's 1.3 trillion dollars um so you know it's a very sizable thing um you know apple's market cap is 2.7 trillion dollars just for comparison um so you know a lot of people think Cryptocurrency is this fringe thing that you know is slowly getting adopted, and it's used by kind of strange people in their basements. Nope, cryptocurrency is here, and it's something that it behooves us to understand, especially as you know charity professionals, um, you know people who want to reach donors and where they are, um, you know, using the tools that they use, um, and, and you know to really be able to you know get our message out there and, and support
0: the missions of our organizations. Ezra, you're doing a great job boiling down this very complex subject for the rest of us. Thank you so much for that the, the introductory understanding of cryptocurrency. And as we start thinking about now fundraising, perhaps we should start first, as we always do in fundraising, with the donor. And so tell us: is there a certain type of person right. who is attracted to cryptocurrency? Why are folks turning to cryptocurrencies? There's something about, you know, their personality or the way they view the economy or you know, things like that that makes cryptocurrency an attractive option for them?
1: Yeah, uh, great questions because, you know, there are a lot of communities within crypto um, and there are a lot of different reasons for coming to it, but there are some traits, I think, that, uh, you know, that many of these communities share. Cryptocurrency was started kind of as as a response, um, you know, as Bitcoin, it was started as as a response to the banking crisis. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, As an alternative kind of monetary system that had set rules that could not be changed a finite amount and that everybody could participate in. You know, there were no intermediaries. You know, uh, it was all, you know, person to person. Um, So a lot of cryptocurrency kind of has followed that um, that feeling and that mindset. Um, and I think there's a hopefulness to the communities that, uh, that join it, you know, certainly there's people that are in it just to, um, you know, get rich quick or to, you know, try to make money, uh, you know, scamming you or something like that. Mm. I, I wouldn't say that's the majority though. I think a lot of people feel very hopeful about it. Um, and they come to it kind of in a framework of, you know, wanting to, to contribute to some sort of systemic change, um, to make a difference. And because there's that ownership aspect, they feel like they have agency and, in that way.
0: And just to be clear, the systemic change in having agency means, whether anybody agrees with it or not, this is where cryptocurrency holders are coming from, as I've understood from previous presentations I've heard from you, not associated with the official financial services industry, the banks, the credit cards. That there's somewhat of a populist movement in this, not politically, but mm-hmm. like you said, you know, we had the financial crisis, you know, decade or so ago. People were like, "We're going to create our own system." Sure. Am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, in the in the traditional financial system, um, you know, in the past and today too, let's say you wanted to get a loan, uh, you would go into the bank and you would talk to someone, and they would decide whether to give you the loan or not. You know, they'd have a rubric, but they might also look at, you know how you express your gender, what race you are, what age you are, what color hair you have, all these kinds of things. Um, So there was this, you know, as just one extreme example, you know, intermediaries between you and having the financial freedom to achieve your goals of buying a house. You know, uh, with cryptocurrency, you're just, you know, a wallet address on screen. Right. And you can create, you know, whatever identity you want uh, associated with it. But, you know, people can see on the blockchain, oh, you know, Ezra has this much Bitcoin. Therefore, you know, if he posts this much of it as collateral, we'll give him a loan for this much. And it's all just kind of predetermined and set rules. Um, You know, and again, that's in the best case scenario. There's a lot of scenarios that where it doesn't work as optimally, you know, it's still new. the, the, I guess, tools and the interfaces and uh, the way, you know, people are inter- are in- intermediated with, with the technology, you know, it's, it's developing over time and improving.
0: And so if Bill and Ezra want to do some sort of transaction, mm-hmm. we're not filling out loan papers at a bank or waiting three days for a credit card company to approve. And, and the, the linkage for us, you mentioned it just now, the blockchain. Is mm-hmm. that where we're all living when we've got crypto? What is the blockchain?
1: Yeah. So the blockchain is basically the network underneath it all. So right now in the internet, we have the internet kind of underneath all of the websites we visit, you know, all of the apps that we use, excuse me, they, they all exist on the internet. Um, And we don't really understand how that works, but the way it works is there's these centralized structures, right? You know, if you want to interface with money, you have to go through a bank or a credit card system. Um, You know, if if you want to, post pictures, uh, for, you know, your family members to see, you have to do that through, again, centralized system, Facebook or Mm -hmm. Twitter or Instagram, right? Uh, the blockchain, what it does is it, uh, decentralizes that, right? So now I can send things directly to you, or I can post things on my own, you know, platform and have people come to it, you know, peer to peer, instead of having to go through a centralized server. Um, so, so for, um, uh, for example, in, in terms of donations, the way most donations happen now is, uh, you know, a donor uses a credit card. Um, that uh, money or the promise of that money goes to a centralized server. The centralized server takes a cut, um, potentially mines some of the donor data, and then passes what's left over on to the charity. Right. right. Um, what you can do with cryptocurrency donations is send something from the donor's cryptocurrency wallet directly to the charity's cryptocurrency wallet. So it's basically wallet to wallet. Like I'm giving you a dollar, you receive the dollar as is. There's nobody kind of in the middle, you know, cutting off a quarter of it or 5% or 12% and, you know, getting all your data in in the meantime.
0: Yeah. Back in the day, like when we had cash, hey, hey, Ezra, Mm -hmm. would you, would you, you know, lend me a 20? Sure. 20 right there. Bill, you stole me the 20, right? Mm -hmm. Except now it's all happening online through digital. Um, How, just in your observation, and maybe you have data, but at least with your observations, what are you seeing in terms of donations of cryptocurrency is is it still very rare is it happening more where are we now with charitable giving uh, utilizing cryptocurrency as the the monetary value
1: yeah um so so there is some data out there um and I, th- I think it's it's improving over time too um overall what you see is uh well first of all who's giving well, the first question is, you know, who has cryptocurrency, right? And that tends to skew towards, you know, younger generations. Um, we did a survey. Let's see. In December 2020, we found that, uh, you know, 12% of uh, Americans. We did. You know, it was a panel survey of 2,000 people across the country. That um, 12% of people uh, said that they owned cryptocurrency. Um, we did the same survey this past December, and we find found the number was up to 20. Uh, well, 21% more or less. Um, So that's a big increase and, you know, that's weighted towards the younger populations. Um, So, you know, 26% of Gen Z's say that they hold cryptocurrency, 45% of millennials say they hold cryptocurrency. So first of all, that's who the donors are are, are likely, you know, to to be at least, you know, for for the small donations, um, potentially for the larger ones too. So so that's kind of a lay of the land. We also asked, uh, okay, would you consider making donations via cryptocurrency? Um, And again, in 2020, December, around 73% of the population said, yes, I would. And that was actually pretty even across the age brackets. Um, And then, uh, you know, this past December, uh, that number went up just a couple points to 75. But, you know, that was pretty consistent. Um, uh, Fidelity uh, Charitable... They did a survey that they released back in October of last year, um, where they asked uh, individuals, you know, I guess their donor base, uh, individuals who had at least you know twenty-five thousand dollars of disposable uh, investable income, you know, aside from IRAs, um, you know, whether they uh, donated a thousand or more to charity uh, in twenty twenty um, or twenty 21- one. Uh, in twenty twenty, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. they were looking at the previous year, and they found that uh, people who, who owned cryptocurrency were more likely to have given than um, the uh, the general population. So forty five percent of people who said they had cryptocurrency said that they'd given over a thousand dollars, versus only thirty three percent of those who hadn't. So, so again, you know, there's, I, I think that goes with uh, with some of what we were talking about before that that attitude towards hey we can make change we can do something we can make systemic change which i think aligns so well with um you know what we're trying to do as nonprofits, right and what we're trying to communicate as fundraisers like you know we want to empower you to do something you know to you know fulfill what what you want to achieve in your life um yeah
0: yeah and you know we know historically that when donors are giving charitable gifts They want to make a difference. They want Mm -hmm. to have an impact. Uh, And I'm hearing that as you're describing these cryptocurrency donors. And again, folks, summarizing some of those data that Ezra just shared with us, about 21% of people surveyed said that they have cryptocurrency. Of those, about three-fourths said that they're willing to donate. And people who donate at least uh, the value of $1,000 USD or more, cryptocurrency holders were more likely than the non-cryptocurrency holders to be donors of a thousand dollars USD or more. Also, we hear about donor lists skewing older. We love all of our donors and all of our age ranges. But if you're looking for those new donors in the younger generations, being ready to accept a cryptocurrency gift is going to help you with that strategy. And so, Ezra, as we conclude here, what advice do you have for nonprofits? What advice do you have for fundraisers? How can I be set up so when Ezra says, yes, I want to donate cryptocurrency into the Dottie Rosso Scholarship Fund, which is what we raise money for at the fundraising school, just for sake of discussion. Uh-huh. What does that nonprofit, what does that fundraiser need to have in place and need to know?
1: So if you think you're you know, the first nonprofit coming to cryptocurrency, I think you'd be surprised to find that you know nonprofits are here, are arriving, and... Why? Because donors, donors are here. You know, they want to give. They want to give via cryptocurrency. Um, The Giving Block, who who we mentioned earlier, um, they're one of the, uh, I guess, places in the crypto philanthropy space that gathers data and who publishes it online. Um, They reported in, I guess, mid-December last year that um, they were on track or aiming to fundraise $100 million in crypto. So processing, you know, for the charities who are on their platform. Um, and that compared to, I think it was $4 million in 2020. So that's a pretty big increase. Um, another uh, stat that they have is that they've seen uh, 10 times growth of the number of charities who are accepting cryptocurrency. So, so now they, uh, you know, they process cryptocurrency donations for, I think it's over a thousand charities, you know, It was 10% or well, 10 times less before then. So, you know, it was in the hundreds. Um, So, cryptocurrency donation is here. Um, You know, donors are already connecting with charities. Charities are already connecting with donors. Um, So, I would definitely encourage you to to look into it and get started. My first point of a voice would be not to try to figure everything out all at once, you know, get from zero to one. Hmm. That's your first step. Right. And zero to one is basically setting up the infrastructure for your organization to receive cryptocurrency donations, you know, Um, and are ways of doing that. You know, you can set up your own exchange accounts, similar to, again, setting up a a stock exchange account. Um, Sure. Uh, But there's also services that you can employ um, that specialize in working with charities. Um, One of them is the giving block uh, who we've partnered with recently. Um, and then also in given who, uh, you know, we're also in discussions with where they will, you know, you'll set up, uh, they'll help you set up an exchange account and then they'll basically run it for you so that anytime a crypto donation comes in, they automatically transfer it into cash and then, you know, transfer that cash out to your bank account so that you're not exposed to the volatility. Right? So let's say, you know, at uh, 3 AM on a Saturday, you got a $10,000 donation, um, by Monday morning, When you're at the office, it's either gone up or gone down. You know, you don't want to be the one to tell your CEO that that happened, right? Um, So that's useful. Um, so, So get from zero to one. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, when you're thinking about cryptocurrency, think about communities. Um, There are a lot of communities that live in in these spaces, you know, that are uh, gathered around NFTs, around themes, around, you know, different types of empowerment. You know, there's environmental communities, health communities and whatnot. So think of it as, oh, well, I'm doing cryptocurrency for cryptocurrency's sake or blockchain for blockchain's sake. No, it's a tool for you to reach donors who are already there and who you're not talking to. You know, these are the younger donors, you know, as you were saying, Bill, uh, in the future. I think a lot of the world is going to run on blockchain, right? right. Um, so as, you know, as charitable organizations, as fundraisers, we can either kind of wait, see everything arrive, and then try to catch up, or we can, again, start dipping our toe in and doing it. So the, the, the I guess, other and maybe final piece of... Uh, advice would be in terms of communities, find a community of charitable organizations or charitable professionals who are also doing this, uh, right? So us, uh, we have a platform called Give Safely, um, and on it, we... uh, We list charities who have met all 20 of our standards, the BBB Wise Giving Alliance, 20 standards for charitable accountability. Um, But it's more than kind of a donation platform. It's a community that we're building where we can kind of talk through all of these issues. And nobody knows what it's going to look like in three years or five years in in crypto and blockchain and metaverse. Uh, But we're going to figure it out together and hopefully shape it along the way.
0: And nonprofits being at that table allows nonprofits to be part of this emerging world and help shape it uh, to the best extent that they can. I get being with a group like the Giving Block to help me with the transaction. Mm -hmm. Just really quickly, how do I set up my own account if I'm a nonprofit? How do I just do that on my own if I don't want to go through an intermediary?
1: Sure. Uh, Just do a little research. There are a number of, uh, again, licensed, registered cryptocurrency exchanges here in the United States. You know, I'm sure you've heard of Coinbase went public uh, or well, did a public listing last year. Um, uh, You know, there's Coinbase, there's Gemini, there's Kraken. So definitely do your research, uh, see which uh, exchange would fit you best and,
0: you know, take it from there. And the website is givesafely.io for Mm -hmm. run by the BBB Wise Giving Alliance, where again, you're not setting up accounts and things like that, but you're creating this community of conversations, community of resources, and a place for philanthropic organizations to be part of the conversation. Is that correct? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And definitely um, follow us on Twitter at Give safely, all together, give safely. Um, you know, we host conversations. I think it's uh, every Wednesday afternoon where we choose a topic having to do with blockchain, metaverse, something like that. And people just drop in, you know, whether you're a BBV Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity or not. And, you know, we, we think things through and we're figuring it out together.
0: Ezra Vasquez D'Amico is manager of give at the BBB Wise Giving Alliance. Ezra, thank you so much. What an informative and enlightening and encouraging uh, presentation today. And uh, as you help us understand what is cryptocurrency and what is happening with cryptocurrency charitable contributions. And, you know, folks, uh, Giving Tuesday, for example, in 2021 raised about $2.7 billion. There was a Giving Crypto Tuesday, and I think it raised about $2.73 million. And people might say, well, okay, come on, you know, what a big difference. The very first Giving Tuesday raised $10 million about a decade ago and now is at 2.7 billion. Not predicting that's where crypto is going to go, it but has to start somewhere. And it's something for fundraisers to keep an eye on. And it's something we talk about in our certificate of digital fundraising at the fundraising school. You take three courses. All online, see what we did there. You need to take the digital fundraising course only online and you earn your certificate in digital fundraising. That's one of four certificates that we offer at the fundraising school as part of a couple of dozen public courses that are available in person, uh, online in a virtual live format, online in a recorded so-called asynchronous format uh, for all of our public courses. Then we have our custom training. We knit things together and tailor training just for you. Anywhere in the United States, anywhere across the world. We have our quarterly webinars and, of course, these free podcasts. All the information available online at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Our producers today are Dustin Donovan, Jennifer Boffman, and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Stanjekovich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school.